Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Stuart's title this morning is Modern Idolatry. Um, I, I just thought halfway through this series of um, destroying kryptonite, we might uh, just have a quick upcatch update of where we're at. Uh, just to remind you that we based this around a talk that started with Terry a few weeks ago, and Terry introduced us to a character that some of you maybe hadn't heard of called Superman. Uh, and um, Superman had this problem that he was gifted with supernatural active things he could do. But when this mythical uh, substance called kryptonite came near him, it stopped him being as powerful and stopped him being Superman, probably turned him into super wimp and, uh, and changed his life. So when we talk about kryptonite now in our last few weeks, we've been talking about kryptonite, we've been talking about the things that come into our lives that stop us being the people we ought to be, that stop us being the people God intended us to be, that stop us being naturally supernatural in our lives. And and what I want you to think about today is I don't want you to think, oh, this is just a preacher having another go at me, telling me that I'm not good, that I'm incompetent, that I'm not a good Christian, that I'm that I'm you know not as good as somebody else. I'm just going to pop. Uh, going to highlight some things that you might not have even thought about in your life, and, 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 and hopefully through God's Spirit will help us to be shining lights, as Paul talked about earlier, help us to shine in the world. Sometimes we, don't get, we get up on a morning, I guess, and we don't feel like shining lights, do we? We feel a bit dull. Sometimes we get to the end of the day and we think, I haven't really shone much today. I haven't been the person I really wanted to be today. And it only needs one little thing to go wrong during the day to knock us down and stop us shining. So I'm going to highlight some things. I'm going to do them fairly quickly because time's getting by. But first of all, how many of you remember going to Sunday school and doing sword drill? Not just the octogenarians can remember doing it, so that's good. I remember doing it. We used to go to Bankhead Chapel, and uh, first thing we did in Sunday school was you had to put your sword in its sheath, then you had to draw your sword, and then a text would be given, and the first person to find that in their Bible was the winner, yeah? Okay. How many of you got your Bibles with you today? Anybody got them? Those of you who got your Bible, if you've got them on your phones, that's fine. Can you get them ready? Get them ready. And when I give the magic word, Kat's going to give us a text. Not yet, though. Ready? Because they might have to code into your phone and get ready to go. Here we go. Are you about ready? Yeah? Right. If you're ready, wave your Bible in the air. All right? Yeah? Right? Draw your swords. Put your swords in your sheath, sorry. Swords in your sheath. Right. Draw your swords. Now, the reason you had to draw your swords was because people used to cheat and go like that. Find the text. Draw your swords. Right. Are you ready? Here we go. 
We're looking up Psalm 119, verse 11. First one to tell us what it says. Charge, sorry, charge. See, I can't even remember what. Anybody found it yet? Thank you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yeah? Did everybody get that? Can I tell you, when you get the house group notes, I made a typo error and I put Psalm 199. Well, we all know there aren't 199 Psalms. So when you get your, your house group notes, it's 119. Okay? 119. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. The key to everything we're going to talk about today is in those words. I have hidden your word in my heart. If we hide God's word in our hearts, all the things that come against us, all the things that we do wrong, we will have help and assurance and guidance through our lives. If we, went, if we were going on a journey, we would buy a map. We wouldn't do it now because we use our sat-nav. If we were learning to drive a car, we'd get a highway code that would help us to learn how to the rules of the road. The Bible is the God's guide to the life, to our lives. God's guide. Everything we need to know about our lives is incredibly encapsulated in God's Word. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And that's what God's word is. And yet, we have this tool that we have handy to use all the time, even if it's not a Bible, we've got it on our phones. We have this tool. But when life goes wrong, how often do we actually get out the tool that can help us solve the problems in life and get our reassurance? So today I'm going to just look at some of the things that have kicked up that might be kryptonite in your life. And the first one, these are things that we might not even realize we're doing. The first one is stubbornness. Now how many of you here would be honest enough to put your hand up and say you're stubborn? Yeah? i tell you what I'm stubborn with and I get wrong. You think I'd learn, well we're slow learners men aren't we? But you think I'd get, I'd get used to it is is when Susan asks me for something, or Emily asks me for something, the first thing I say is, no. Right? I just, for some reason, it's no. Then when I think about it, I think, well, yeah, that's not a bad thing, really, that. And then I have to, but usually by then, Susan said to me, you always just say no. <laughs> We're stubborn, aren't we? There's a stubborn streak, I guess, at some level in all of us. And stubbornness isn't just to the people around us, it can be to God as well. I make no apologies and we're going to see some, quite a lot of scripture today. And the first one I wanted to show you is found in Samuel. And it's about King Saul. Saul was told in this verse, I'll put my glasses on and read it to you. Samuel said to Saul, yeah, got it up there. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they were laid them as they came up from Egypt. 
Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now, you and I might find that quite hard and think, what's going on here? We, we see examples of genocide around the world, don't we? And the thought that somebody would go and wipe out whole villages. You know, we've, history has repeated itself where genocide has been happening there. But what we need to remember, this was God saying something specific. And, and I don't know how we square the circle, but it, God was given clear instructions to Saul what he had to do. But Saul didn't do that. And we find these next verses. I'm going to jump a bit because he went and he wiped out some of the people, but he didn't wipe out all of them. And we get to verse 19 and it says, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best of that was devoted to God in order to sacrifice to them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So Samuel, uh, sorry, Saul, he'd sort of half done what God had said, and then the bit he hadn't done, like killing all the animals and, uh, and killing the king, he'd said, well, there was a reason for that because what I did is I gave it as a sacrifice. So that gets me off the hook because instead of killing them and being obedient to you, I did something else with those things and we sacrificed them to you. So that was fine. But God said, no, you didn't because you didn't do what I asked you to do. As much as we might find what God was asking to do abhorrent to us, uh, he didn't do what he was told. So he was stubborn and he, 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 he was like that. So what can we learn from this? Well, sometimes we half do things. We sort of say, well, I'll do it, but I'll do it half-heartedly or I'll not do it completely. Um, I guess those of us with teenage kids who have perhaps grown up or are still there, They'll do something. Will you hoover the floor for us? Yeah, I'll do it. And then you look and you think, well, I might as well have done it myself because it's only half done. It's only half a job. And it's just pure stubbornness, isn't it? And, but as we get older, that stubbornness stays in our lives. Are we stubborn to what God's asking us to do? Has stubbornness become the kryptonite in our lives? Then moving quickly on. Next one's covetousness or coveting something that doesn't belong to us. Do we do that? You might say, well, I don't. But do we ever look at what somebody else has had, somebody else has got, and think, oh, they've got a nice new car. I'd better go out and get a new car. Are we ever like that? Or do we say, oh, that's a nice dress they've got, or that's a nice suit they've got. Let's, 
I'd better go and get a new suit. Um, or do we always look around us and think, we want something better, we want something more than that we've got. Remember, the, 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 probably the worst story in the Bible of covetousness was David. David was out on his balcony one night, and he looked over, and he saw Bathsheba in the garden of the house next door. And he thought, ooh, I like the look of her. And, uh, and she came to visit him, and, uh, well, they did things they shouldn't have done. And, um, and then he heard Bathsheba was married to Uriah the Hittite. Well done, Uriah the Hittite. And Uriah was in the front line of battle, and he made sure David ordered that Uriah would be right in the front line of battle where he would get killed. Covetousness. He, he, David saw something he wanted, and he engineered the way to have Bathsheba. And uh, do we engineer things so that we can get things that we don't want? We were talking about this in house group, and we were talking about how often we think we need the next phone, don't we? Uh, what is it? X, X or whatever, it, or X, whatever the next one is. Because we need it. Because when we get that phone, our lives will be perfect. We will be the best in communicating with other people. It will do all sorts of wonderful things for us. And then we get these things, and a week afterwards we think, hmm, I've got an iPad, which I always wanted an iPad, and I had to save up for one, and I'm thinking, it's sitting in my drawer now. I can't even trade it in. It's not even worth 20 quid. It's just sitting in my drawer. But when I needed it, it was worth saving up to get for. And are we like that with the things, the material things around us? Are we covetous? Are we chasing after the wrong things? The Bible says, we've got a verse up there, Since then we have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We don't want to sacrifice that, do we? To appear with Christ in glory. What a, what a reward that is. And we don't want to sacrifice that by our life on earth. And then in Exodus, of course, it says, part of the commandments is, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or Mercedes, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Uh, we're not a covered things. That can be our down, can be stop us shining our light. And as we read on, in, 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 we find that these things lead to us being discontent. Because when we can't get the things we want, when we're stubborn, when we covet other people's things, we're not content as humans. We live in our lives because we want to better ourselves. And nothing wrong in bettering ourselves, but it's the way we do it that's important. So our next area that perhaps is, is that you're not content. You get up on a morning and you think, I'm just not content with life. I want a better house. 
they did a survey once and it's, it said people who live in a house valued at £100,000 thought they would be more content if they had a house that was £150,000. And those people who lived in houses that were valued at 150000 thought they would be more content if they lived in a house that was valued at £250,000. So there's no end to this discontent, isn't there? And yet, when we read the Scripture, Paul says some really clear things. He says, in Philippians, he says, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what is to be in need. I know what it is to be plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What I like about that is he says, I have learned. He didn't say, I know, I've arrived out from day one, from becoming a Christian, I knew how to live my life. He said, I've learned. That gives a bit of hope to me that I'm still learning how to be content. Gives hope to you that you're not there maybe, but you're learning to be where God wants you to be with contentment. So that was stubbornness, covetousness, contentment. And the big one, which we're not going to have time to spend very much with, is willful sin. Now this is quite encapsulating. This covers loads of things. And um, I just want to highlight a little bit. Of, perhaps this is the area you would dread when I put up there, willful sin thing. Well, I don't do willful sin. There's not things in my life that I willfully do. But let's look at it. Let's look at a couple of, of uh, verses. So we continue on in, um, in Colossians. We want more verses. It says, Put to, get to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Perhaps he cringed when he heard some of those things and thought, well, I don't do those things anymore. That's great, but maybe there are still things there that are planted in your life that you need to work with. And perhaps a willful thing that you haven't thought about is can be found in that lovely story of, um, of the wedding feast where people are invited to the feast. They, they were invited to this banquet and uh, they found excuses not to go. And if you want to read it, you can find it in Luke 14. Perhaps in the house group, you'll have a look at it. And I was reminded this morning of that, the words of that song that we used to sing years ago in Sunday school, which says, I cannot come. And the verse, the, the chorus goes, I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me excused. I cannot come. 
And I think what's referred to there is, you know, that God calls us to worship on a regular basis. In Colossians it says, do not fail to meet together with your brothers and sisters. And how often we can just find some excuse not to meet together, some excuse not to go and pray for someone, some excuse not to go and encourage someone or to visit someone in hospital. We can always find excuses not to do things. But God says we are to meet together. God's Word says we're to meet together and encourage one another and support one another. So let's not find excuses. I've married a wife. We used to, as teenagers, we used to swap the words around and say, I have married a cow, I have got me a wife. I don't know whether that was the right thing to do, but never mind. <laughs> Sorry. That was, I shouldn't have said that really, but never mind. <laughs> but what are, we, what are we doing with our lives? And then in Hebrews it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out to us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. How can we fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, we can pray. We can spend time with them, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time praying. And just as important, spend time reading his word, finding out what he's got to say to you. It's amazing if we're grounded in the word, if we've hidden the word in our hearts, how that word springs out. And I'm sure you've all experienced this, where you've been somewhere and a verse has sprung out of your heart that was just right for the occasion, that just spoke into a situation that was right for somebody. We share a word with someone. But we've got to put it there first. We can't give out if we haven't got it there first. So we need to spend time putting God's word in our heart. So there we are this morning. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you don't go away feeling rejected or down. We're all sinners just trying to grow and learn and grow together. But I do believe that if we each individually get our acts together, get begin to shine, as a church we'll shine incredibly and we'll just see God moving in supernatural ways. If we kill the kryptonite, we'll see God moving in our place in, in just ways that we never dreamed about, that we never thought possible, God will just make things begin to move and change. Let's pray, shall we? Do you want to, do you want to come up, guys? Father, we just thank you for our time together. Father, we don't want to be crushed by sin. We want to throw away sin. We want to destroy sin in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we go away from here today, that you will convict us of those things that prevent us from shining in our lives. That you will help us to destroy the spiritual darkness and bring light into this world that we may be your people shining in a dark world. Bless each one of us. Lift us up, Lord. Guard us and protect us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.